This is Chris Shelton, your host. Thank you very much for inviting me into your home this week. I want to get right to it. I have received criticism recently that I have been a bit rambling in my shows, and so I want to get right to the point here, and that is that after 10 years of being out of Scientology, what have I learned? Well, I've learned a few things about how to keep people out of destructive cults. If you want to stay out of Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, or any other, you know, Mormons, Unification Church, Nexium, Enron, martial arts cults, acting class cults, if you want to stay out of all of this stuff, if you don't want to get caught, trapped, and have your life ruined by a nefarious, uh, you know, human predator or predators then uh, I hope you will heed the advice that I give in this show. And I'm going to try to be as A to B uh, about this as I can, but I cannot stress enough that the way you stay out of these groups is you have got to keep your emotions in check. You have got to develop the discipline of critical thinking. And the points that I'm going to go over today are points of critical thinking and methods of application of that critical thinking to your life. And I have been preaching this for many, many years. It is, uh, it is the only way that you can actually be sure that you're going to stay out of a destructive cult situation or group. And even, even if you did all of these things, potentially, maybe... Possibly it could still happen to you, but odds are you follow these guidelines or ideas or suggestions here, and you're going to be fine. You're going to be just fine because the fact of the matter is that most destructive cults out there are playing a numbers game. They don't care about you. They just have to get bodies in or people in or, you know, numbers and things like that. Now, of course, here I'm thinking very much about Scientology, but we also have other groups which are all about getting new members in. And then once they're in, now we're going to uh, basically throw them on the rack and torture them, right, until they give us all their money and resources and influence and power. And that's kind of the vampire association uh, that you get into in a destructive cult situation is they are taking, taking, taking from you. And there is only an apparency that they are giving something positive or useful back to you. But don't make, don't think, don't, don't fall for the idea that you can spot a con a mile away and they'll never get to you and and you would never be fooled by anybody like L. Ron Hubbard or Scientologists. You, that would never happen to you. That's actually the first thing you've got to get over. you got to get over yourself. You cannot think that you're going to avoid falling into a destructive cult or a narcissistic predatory relationship if you think you can't. Because you can. There is not one single human being who is immune to falling for the lies and deception and deceit of a predator. They are very good at what they do. And anybody who thinks they can spot them a mile away and it's no big deal and I would never be fooled by that, that's the first barrier. That's the first thing you got to get over. So if you're watching or listening to this and you have that idea or, that, or you're carrying around this kind of ego-filled attitude that you're all that, 
Um, I got to tell you, I mean, as a former cult member of, you know, decades, that was the kind of person that we were always going for first. We loved people who thought they could never join or never be get conned or fooled, right? I mean, we just loved, you know, getting on to people like that. And it, and it wasn't from the point of view that we thought we were conning or fooling them. That was the worst part is we were true believers. We wanted to make this person a true believer. And um, usually it was pretty easy. So, okay. So I have these uh, this long list of points here. They fall basically under two broad or generalized pieces of advice, and we'll go into specifics under each one. The first one is avoid emotional intensity. It this is where my preaching on critical thinking, including emotional intelligence or understanding our emotional life is just as important as understanding logical fallacies or rationality or critical thinking. Yes, you have to be able to spot deceptive, deceitful, goofy, fraudulent messaging or people lying to you, in other words, and critical thinking is a tool to do that. Um, But there's also the emotional component, and emotions are what drive our behavior. You are not driven by logic anywhere near as much as you are driven by emotions, reactions and responses to what people tell you or what people do or say, or reactions or responses you have to your own internal psychological life. Um, this is These are emotions, basically, right? And these emotions are powerful because they're not words or ideas or well-thought-out constructed arguments. They are Feelings that impel or compel or drive us to behave in certain ways. When we are angry, we start throwing things or we start our voices go up and our muscles tense and things happen. When we're sad, a whole other slew of things happen. These all happen without us having to think about it or often without us thinking about it at all. (laughs) They just happen. And the positivity and the awe and the euphoria that can be generated within us can be overwhelmingly powerful. Um, And that is exactly the experience that uh, destructive cult recruiters are often trying to create in you, is this awe-filled, euphoric kind of thing. And so you need to be aware of that fact and be aware of your own emotional state. This is a little monitoring thing you got to do, but you've, avoiding emotional intensity is very, very important. The other thing is doing your research. These are, two, these are the two points. Avoid emotional intensity and do your research. Now, we're going to get into a lot more specifics with those two things, but basically it comes down to that. Uh, Keep your head about you, in other words. When I talk about avoiding emotional intensity, what do I mean? Well, let's take a look. Wrote quite a few of these points down. No matter under what circumstances you are approaching this group. Now, we're going to just have, you know, cult group X here that we're going to talk about, okay? And, of course, I will give you examples out of Scientology or other group recruitment tactics or retention tactics um, because they're, they're quite interesting, but they tend to be similar or the same 
from one group to the next, to the next, to the next. The words change, the, the intonation changes a little bit, you know, maybe the, 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 the way they talk about or do various things might be a little different from one to the other, but what they're trying to do and the effect they're trying to create in you is pretty much same, same from one group to the next. Um, so people join or rather people are encounter, run into different destructive cults in lots of different ways. Generally speaking, you can run into them on the street. They can uh, approach you or try to sell you or you're walking past their building. Um, or somebody could bring you there. A friend or a family member could contact you and tell you about this and sort of proselytize to you and get you to come in. This also is how um, the whole large group awareness trainings work is somebody usually invites you or you hear about some special deal you can get if you go with your friend and you're going to go do this weekend seminar or this one day thing, workshop or something. And, uh, you know, so you have a friend or a family member sort of uh, recruiting you or cajoling you into this. Well, even there, all of these rules apply, right, with your friends. I mean, if your friend is a member of a cult, you're going to want to know about it and you're going to want to ask them and talk to them honestly about it. Um, not necessarily to get them out, but so that you don't get sucked in. That's the first most important thing. This isn't about getting them out. This podcast is about you not getting in. Okay, so no matter under what circumstances you're approaching the group, these rules always come first. And you're going to think, this is the tricky thing, you're going to think that there's exceptions. You're going you're gonna to be told, oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to think about that. Don't worry about that. You know, they're going to they're gonna use every tool in their toolkit to, to lower your defenses, get you to not be thinking critically, and rile up your emotional level. That's what they're trying to do. So these are the counter methods to that. Um, these rules always come first, whether this is a potential job opportunity, and that is how some people approach cults. They don't know, and they just, you know, this, this group is hiring, and so they go in there not knowing what's what, and they end up working there. It happens. happens all the time in Scientology. So it could be a potential job opportunity. It could be a financial opportunity. Maybe you're just checking it out, going in off the street. However this happens, these rules apply. Um now, this here, of course, is uh, also for if you're at home and they come and knocking on the door, don't open it. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> you really don't have any reason whatsoever to engage with cult members. They are not there to be deconverted. And odds are, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to deconvert them in one go anyway. Uh, they are there to proselytize and they are there to put their best foot forward and they're not there to listen to your criticism or take it to heart or have a meaningful, rational discussion. They are there to recruit you or sell you. So there really isn't any reason that I can think of and I actually am a professional at this. I would never open the door to Jehovah's Witnesses or anybody else coming around trying to sell me stuff or trying to talk to me or present opportunities to me or ask me if I've, you know, had my conversation with Jesus or any of that. Forget it. I'm not even opening the door. Okay. Um, you know, these are people who are coming along and intruding themselves, inserting themselves into your life and you didn't ask for it and you don't need it. Now, one of the first things to pay attention to in getting involved with any group of any kind is 
Um, are this are the members particularly reverent towards or in awe of some individual? Does his or her name come up in hushed tones or with some kind of inflated sense of importance? If so, you very likely are in a group that you need to get away from immediately. All right. Very, very, very few human beings are deserving of reverence. And uh, people like L. Ron Hubbard, people like uh, Joseph Smith, you know, these sort of prophet type people, um, even famous celebrity type people or, you know, like we talked about uh, martial arts dojos or acting classes, and they are often led by some mystical, wise figure who's had all this experience and is so knowledgeable and so wise and so amazing and everybody should listen to everything they have to say in you know with their voices with their mouths closed and their ears open and they shouldn't ask questions and they should just listen and uh, and sort of absorb what the master has to give them if, if if there's any hint of any of this going on in a group that you're looking at becoming part of you need to turn around and get the hell out of there because reverence toward fellow human beings is almost universally undeserved and is an indication that something hinky is going on here. Um, human beings are not, you know, the relationship status of people who have healthy relationships with one another is not worship <laughs> or, or reverence, right, or awe. You can't, you, you just, it, it just shouldn't really be that way. And certainly not with some new group you're maybe looking at becoming a part of, okay? This is something where you need to back off and go do that research immediately because that's a big, big red flag. Um, another thing, and this is where the discipline of critical thinking really comes into play, is, is listening carefully when you're interacting with any member of this group under any circumstances Listen carefully for what are called thought-stopping cliches or thought-terminating cliches. And this is a phrase, words or phrases that shut down the conversation or shut down lines of inquiry or shut down thinking because you're just supposed to accept what they say and, and you're not supposed to ask questions or inquire further. Thought-stopping cliches are, are ways cult members keep themselves from thinking. You don't have to be part of that. Your thinking is still intact at the time that you're looking at joining. Theirs isn't. So you can challenge them, you can inquire, you can you know, ask questions, but be alert for attempts to shut down your inquiries or your questions or your statements or thinking with thought-stopping cliches. Let me give you a couple examples. Let's say you walk into a church of Scientology one fine day and you're looking around and you're looking, you know, looking through Dianetics or whatever and a person comes up and, and you say, yeah, I was looking on the internet about you guys and they say, oh yeah, well, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Well, true, but is that being used to shut down the conversation and not let you inquire anymore about what it is that you read on the internet? Oh, yeah, I read on the internet that you guys, you know, that there might be some abuse at the top of this organization. Have you ever seen that? Do you know anything about that? Oh, well, you can't read, can't believe everything you read on the internet. And that's it. That's all you get. Like, wait a minute, I, I, I asked you a question and I want to know the answer to that question. And instead, you've given me this thought-stopping cliche that shuts the whole thing down. 
I know I can't believe everything I've read on the internet, but should I believe this? Because I read this on the internet and I kind of do believe it and I'm kind of wondering what your response is to it. Like that would be a completely open, honest communication to a member of a group that you've read bad things about. And if they can't deal with that criticism, if they can't deal with communicating with you about it, that's a red flag. It's a, just trust me, it's a big red flag. Oh, of course they'd say that. They just have an axe to grind, right? In response again to a criticism. Maybe you watched Leah's show. Maybe you watched Scientology in the Aftermath. Maybe you watched some of my podcasts. Maybe you've read some of Tony Ortega's work. And, uh, or, you know, these days, Aaron Smith-Levin, right? And you walk in and you go, well, I was listening to Aaron or I was listening to, I was reading this on Tony's. Oh, uh, yeah, those guys, of course they'd say that. They just have an ax to grind. Okay, but is it true? <laughs> you know, the follow-up is very, very important. That's what I'm kind of trying to say here. Don't let them shut it down. The media never talks positively about anything. Okay, thank you, but what good does that statement do to answer my question, to, to address my concern? It's a misdirection, you see. Uh, the truth of what we do is right here. You don't need any other sources of information. Oh, you'll definitely hear something like that out of a cult member's mouth. We have all the truth right here. You don't have to go read about it on the internet. They don't know what they're talking about. We've got it all here. Okay, fair enough. So I have a couple questions, right? Oh, no, no, no. Just read this book and they're all answered here. Oh, I doubt this answer. Uh, I doubt that this question about whether David Miscavige is beating on his staff is answered in Dianetics. It was written in 1950. Uh, you know, like, there might be a little bit more to this conversation than here, read a book. Thought-stopping cliches. Uh, okay. You know, and, and they come in all shapes and sizes. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I know this subject. They don't. Uh, okay, cool. So could you answer my question? <laughs> you know, it's always a misdirector, thought-stopping cliches, always shutting stuff down. Um, okay, so watch carefully for attempts to manipulate you emotionally. Now, again, this is where you really have to have that discipline and that critical thinking hat on. Because it's something you have to be mindful for. You are not always going to be aware, easily aware, of being manipulated. I know all of us kind of think we're, we're all tuned into that and we can spot a fake a mile away. But it doesn't really actually work that way in the real world. So this is kind of a little monitor you have to have in your head when you're approaching new groups or new situations. I'm not demanding you do this 24-7, but certainly if you're going to approach a new group or new situation, have your eyes and ears open. It's really all I'm trying to suggest here. And watch carefully for attempts to manipulate you emotionally. Are you being, here's some questions for you. Are you being made angry, sad, upset or uneasy in the process of speaking with their salespeople? Are you feeling that you are now aware of some problem or issue with yourself that you weren't aware of when you walked in the door or didn't think it was a very big deal? Are you feeling it necessary to re-examine your life, your choices and decisions, your relationships, or even your family life within a very short time of walking into this group? 
are feelings of guilt or unease with yourself suddenly rearing their head, right? A lot of self-doubt, a lot of introspection, a lot of, oh, God, I didn't realize how screwed up I was. Boy, I really need some help. You know, this kind of thinking within, you know, an hour or two of walking into a place, like that, that's not normal. That's not really how things should be. You shouldn't have to be, you know, within an hour or two of talking to somebody, you shouldn't have to be reviewing every decision you've ever made or wondering whether your life is a shambles or not. Probably isn't. And you didn't think it was when you walked in the door. So that's the product of emotional manipulation. It's getting you to feel certain ways like change is necessary. Something must be done about this. I have to do something. If that's how you're feeling after talking with somebody for a while about yourself or the world or situation, then I would recommend you step back and give yourself a little bit of space and think longer and harder about what that conversation was about and go review your life and take a good independent look at it outside of the influence of this group or individual who's who's telling you these things. Because these are signs that you are being emotionally manipulated. Um, now, is anyone complimenting or flattering you, talking about you favorably as if you're someone special, unique, or different? And again, in this group context or situation, or, you know, again, these also apply to a degree with um, romantic entanglements or relationships with predatory people. You know, that you, you'll still have this kind of what we call love bombing going on. If you find yourself feeling giddy or unusually happy or euphoric, leave immediately and come back when you don't feel that way any longer. Just never, ever agree to anything when you are in a euphoric or giddy or hee-hee-hee kind of state. It's not a place where you're thinking fully rationally. And you need to recognize that about yourself because it's easy, so easy, so easy when we are all riled up and all high on ourselves to make bad decisions in that moment. That's the whole point of getting you into that state in the first place. And it feels amazing. So you want to continue that state and you want that happiness and that awe and that, rev, you know, that, that, that wonderful euphoria to continue. It feels so good, but that's the most dangerous time to be making any decisions. So the offer or the group will be just as good for you tomorrow as it is today. And you need to change that emotional state before you go making any important decisions. Don't ever buy now or believe any opportunity that you have to have is, you know, has to be acted on immediately. If there is a sale that you won't be able to take advantage of, if you don't do it today, walk away. Yeah, seriously, because something, there is something not being told to you. That deal is never as good as you think it is. Do not ever decide on something significant or important the same day you're doing it. Give yourself the freedom to take some time to think about what you're doing. The, the thing is going to, the car, the house, the group, the, the person, they're all going to be there tomorrow. There's no reason you have to drop everything, go empty the bank account, run down to the ATM, you know, call you, whoever you're supposed to call right now from the lobby. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. No, back off. 
Get the hell out of there. Come back the next day. Hey, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come back Thursday. I'll come back Friday. Oh, no, no, no. You got to stay. You got to do this now, now, now. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, if there's any kind of reaction like that, you need to, you need to run. Get out of there. Seriously. Seriously. All right. Now, if you find yourself in a room alone or isolated with more than one person from this group, extricate yourself immediately and get yourself around other people. Preferably, never go into a group situation, a seminar, or any other group activity where you could be outnumbered without bringing some support with you. Right? If you go in with a friend or partner, stay with them. The three component parts of coercive control are isolation, manipulation, and control. And it is so much easier to accomplish the control and the manipulation if you are isolated, if you're alone, if you don't have any support. That's why I say don't let yourself be alone with more than one person from the group or allow yourself to go into a group situation where you could end up in a room being overwhelmed with social pressure. We all respond differently to social pressure, but hardly ever is it a positive experience. And often, often people, just like you and me, can find themselves making decisions or deciding to do things or agreeing to things in a social pressure situation that we would never agree to if we were by ourselves or only one-on-one. It's just a fact of life that, that multiple minds in a room pushing us to do something have a lot of power. And that power can goad you or push you into making really bad decisions in the moment. Don't put yourself in that situation. And if you find yourself in that situation, have the will and strength of resolve to stand up and go, you know what? I'm not comfortable here. I'm going back outside. I'm going out of this room, you know, whatever, and see what happens. Watch what happens. And if there's resistance and, oh, no, no, you got to stay here and you know, they're blocking you in or something like that, even more reason to get the hell out of there, okay? So that's really important. Also, do not ever allow any new or unusual group to take your phone, your ID, or any other personal belongings for you for any reason. There just isn't any good enough reason for you to be giving up who and what you are to these people that you don't know and that shouldn't really fully be trusting. Uh, also, do not give the group or person your address, phone number, or any other identifying information until after you have finished vetting the group and you've officially joined. At that point, fine, do whatever the hell you want. But until then, keep your information to yourself. It is none of their business. If there is one question I have been asked more times than any other question, more than anything about David Miscavige, more than anything about L. Ron Hubbard, the question I have been asked is, how do I get off of Scientology's mailing list? <laughs> because it's damn near impossible to do it. And they will keep skip tracing you and finding your address and finding your phone number and following and harassing you for the rest of your life. They don't have anything else to do in these cults. So whether it's Scientology or the Jehovah's Witnesses or anybody else, 
don't give them your personal information until you are 100% sure that you know exactly who you're dealing with and what they're going to do with that information. If you're going into a group to check it out, you know, you know maybe there's something questionable, you know maybe you're not sure about this, do yourself a favor and arrange with a close friend or family member to contact them or meet them at a specified time after your appointment so you don't stay there too long or get caught up. You can always use this meeting as an excuse to leave at any point too, right? And this is, I mean, women know this strategy from blind dates and dating, like uh, up one side and down the other. This is nothing unusual or new, but I am suggesting everybody do this. This is not just for women. Guys, too, if you uh, are going down to just check it out, do yourself a favor and have some friend or family member standing by, not standing outside the door waiting for you or something, but certainly you've got this appointment, this meeting you have to get to. You have a pre-established excuse, in other words, to get the hell out of there without having to be rude or making it awkward or weird. I'm not suggesting at any time during this that you have to act that way. You can do this in a perfectly civil, rational way. It's still just as important, though. Okay. Now, in terms of doing your research, there's a few uh, highlights I have here, a few, few important points. Before signing on the dotted line to join anything, one, talk to at least three to four people in that group who have nothing to do with selling you on it. Go talk to the guy in the back. Go talk to the guy who cleans the bathroom. Go talk to some person who's doing filing all day. Go talk to somebody else in that group besides the salespeople and watch and listen carefully to what they say, how they say it, whether you know their emotions, their responses to you, um, because that's going to give you a far greater observation of what the group and the group members are really like than just sticking with the frontline salespeople. The most beautiful, the most uh, glib, the most like well-spoken people, those are the guys that they put in the front lines, the, the, the men and women there. You want to talk to the guys who aren't those people, right? To get some idea, some sampling of what this group is really about and, and what constitutes it. Find out what they think about you talking to ex-members, you know, you walk into some place like Scientology and you go, oh, you know, I was watching Chris Shelton's YouTube channel and watch what happens. Watch what they say. Listen carefully, right? Watch their eyes. Find out what their response is to criticism that they've received online or offline. Pay very close attention to tone and intonation and not just the words they say. Are they furious about it? Are they cool with it? Do they, is it, you know, hey, easy come, easy go, no big deal? What happens when you bring up criticism and you bring up people who, you know, prominent former members who speak out? Ask what happens. Just straight up ask them, what happens if someone wants to leave? Will you be contacted, called, or harassed to come back? Does this group ever do house calls? Ask them. If they do, they'll definitely feel free to come around to your house. Is that something you want? Got to ask yourself these questions before you put yourself in the position where these people are coming around. Is this group, now it could be that the group you're looking at is a front group. 
It might not be the actual central cult organization or, or, or group. It might be a, like, the, like with Scientology, you have applied scholastics, you have youth for human rights, you have Narconon, you have Criminon, you have this wealth of front groups that Scientology has to, to extend their reach out into society. Lots of groups do. I mean, hell, Scientologists are put to shame by the number of groups, the front groups that the Unification Church has, the Moonies. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, for example, odds are if you've ever eaten any sushi, you've donated money to the Unification Church. Don't know if you know that or not, but that's the kind of front group activity I'm talking about. Like, they can be quite bold. So you have to ask yourself, is this group you're involved in or looking at getting involved in, are they subsidized, run, or organized by a senior organization of any kind? If so, what's the name and purpose of that organization and how are these groups connected? If there are any legal contracts, now this might well be one of the most important bits in this entire podcast because years and hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars have been wasted because people did not follow the next step I'm about to tell you. If there are any legal contracts that have to be signed to be part of the group, vet them carefully and never, ever sign without reading and understanding what you're giving up and exactly what your rights are and what recourse you have if you change your mind. You have, you, there is no one else you will ever be able to hold responsible for this but yourself. If you sign your name to a legally binding contract and you don't understand what you have signed, you only have yourself to blame for every single piece of trouble that follows. I, I cannot stress this enough. This is so important. Scientologists, former Scientologists have been wrapped up in court cases and have been defrauded of millions of dollars because they did not pay attention to what I am telling you. We live in a society now where terms of service and signing on the line and all of that is just an automatic gesture. We just click and run and we don't think. And when it comes to legally binding contracts, you have to think. You, you, you cannot afford not to. This is not something where you put your trust in somebody you just met a few hours ago and they tell you, oh, don't worry about the fine print. It's all good. I've explained everything to you. No, they haven't. You need to read it. You need to independently vet it, and you need to know what you're signing away because you are signing away rights and privileges you have when you're signing over a legally binding contract. You are agreeing to things, and you need to know what you're agreeing to. I, I, I just can't stress this enough. It is the single most important point with former Scientologists. It's the biggest point of regret most of us have as former Scientologists is we signed those damn contracts. And, it's, and we signed away our right to our privacy, our freedom, our financial um, success. I mean, as so many things. Can't, uh, anyway, can't stress that enough. Here's another very, very, very important point that hardly anybody ever mentions. I've gone online. I've looked uh, through various pieces of advice, blogs and things. People have written about this exact topic of this podcast today, and no one's ever mentioned this before, and I'm mentioning it now. 
does this group have its own system of justice or rules and guidelines for members? If so, ask to read about this and ask for real-world examples of how discipline is enforced. What rules exactly are group members expected to conform to? Do not assume anything about this. Ask to actually see their rules, their codes of conduct, or their laws. Do not let anyone just explain them to you. You need to see them in writing if they exist. And if they don't exist, telling you that itself is a little bit of a red flag because any group should be constituted around bylaws and rules of, of, of how the members get along with each other, what kind of recourse there is, if there are issues or problems. I mean, even in nonprofits, this is, this is a thing. Um, you know, it doesn't just be, be, be businesses or something that have to have this. Everybody, every group should have this. And if they do have it, they should be open and transparent about it. There shouldn't be anything hidden or confidential or secret or, oh, we won't need to get into that today. Oh, no, we're definitely getting into that today. I want to know what, your, what standards of conduct you're going to hold me to. And I want to know before I get involved in this, before I start agreeing to anything. If this means I can't wear red shirts anymore, if this means I can't come in with a ponytail, or this means I have to shave my face, or if this means I can't eat certain things, or if this means I can't ever go to law enforcement before I have a complaint, if I can't go to the police because some group member assaults me because the group is going to you know, have a problem with that, that's the kind of thing you need to know on day one. <laughs> right? I mean, you'd you'd want to know about that kind of thing. But people never think to ask. And then they find themselves trapped in a system of conformity and compliance that they can't get out of. It's it's rough. And with something like Scientology, of course, you know, you have this incredible justice apparatus that is very complicated, very involved, and would not be easy to explain to you. And if somebody tries to just brush it all off with, oh no, no big deal. You know, don't worry about that. You're not going to get in trouble. You know, just just skip all that. That's just more thought-stopping cliches. If they have rules of conduct and codes and laws, you need to know what they are before you go paying any money or signing on any dotted lines. And finally, let's go ahead and wrap this up now with the last couple. If there are podcasts or blogs from former members Complaining about their experience or exposing abuses, take these seriously and see if there are any corroborating stories. You don't have to believe every ex-member and everything they say or do. People are fallible. They have bad memories. They, have, they do have axes to grind. I mean, there are all kinds of people all over the spectrum when it comes to critics of groups. Just because they're a critic and they had a bad experience doesn't mean everything they have to say is true or holy, uh, but pay attention. See what they have. It doesn't make sense. Is it logical? Does it fit with what your experience of the group is or could be? If you do all your research, you'll be able to answer these questions way easier than if you're just listening to what some you know salesperson is telling you. And finally, regardless of whether there are blogs or videos or whatever from ex-members, always check independent sources to find out as much as you can about the group. From, and that means from sources other than the group or any of its front groups. 
So you want to make sure you're uh, looking to third-party media, third-party regulatory bodies or oversight commissions or anything like that. Uh, If you can find that kind of thing, get into it, take the time, read it. It is time that is going to see. Here's the thing about this that I'll wrap up with is um, every single thing I'm telling you here sounds like it's going to take a lot of time, be a real big bother and get in the way of you having the immediate satisfaction you are looking for with that dopamine hit that you're going to get. You're going to go in there, you're going to do that that landmark forum training, you're going to do that Scientology auditing, you're going to do that prayer group, you're going to do that acting class. Good, I'm very happy that you have a goal and that you are eager and excited to do it. But do you understand the days, weeks, months, or even years of regret that your life could have, that could be ahead of you if you don't just take a few hours to do the things I'm suggesting. Because it is that ratio. It's spend a few hours, make sure you're golden, make sure it's all good, or it's years of regret. For you, for your friends, for your family, not one person, not one person, person who ever joined the Church of Scientology ever imagined that at some point along the line as a Scientologist, they were going to have to shun their own family, that they were going to no longer have relationships with their own children, that their jobs were going to fall apart, that they were going to end up bankrupt. Nobody saw that coming. And if you think it's so obvious and easy to see well, good for you, but you could end up falling for the same thing, of the same wolf in a different sheep's clothing, you see. So it's not always as obvious as you think it is. And I, and I just got to hit that ego button again and again because it's the number one thing that cults take advantage of is your credulity, your gullibility, and your emotional needs. And we've all got points of gullibility and credulity, and we all very definitely have emotional needs. And there's nothing wrong with having emotional needs. These are not these are not things that we are that that are a problem or that are some deficiency in us. They are what make us human, but they also make us easily or more easily prey for predators. All right. I think I've said everything I need to say here, uh, so I won't ramble any longer. I very much appreciate your viewership and support, and I hope that this podcast was able to condense an awful lot of knowledge and experience into these points that if you do these things, I can almost guarantee you, you will be cult safe for the rest of your life. You will you will not fall for any nonsense or any culty kind of group uh, recruitment tactics or anything like that if you just do what I've said here. So I hope this is helpful and useful. And uh, with that, I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.